And this is the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. I'm a homeschool father of five, now a homeschool grandfather of five. Bill Jack, cool. also in studio with me. Yeah, number of grandchildren, almost exceeding number of children. So yeah. God is good. Yes. God is good. God has been very good to us. We're so All thankful. All the time. So thankful. Well, let's talk about getting rich quick. We've mentioned this several times on the program. We have entire sections of my book for young people on economics called How the World Runs. And we've dedicated these sections to the question of getting rich quick. And, and it's the greed well, element seems okay. to be so powerfully working in people today. I, mean, Let, I, think, I, I, bet, I, bet, I bet I bet $10 I know where you're going with this. I'm not taking the bet. What? I'm, I'm just not going to take the bet because I don't want to get rich quick. You well, see? Why not? One, one must take bets in order to get rich quick. I mean, that's, that's the motive that works. Now, the jackpot for Powerball just hit, what, $2 billion. And the last record was $1.34 billion three months ago. See, all people, the more reason to go out and buy your lottery people ticket. People are yeah. going for it. Now, the, we're, we're, we're getting higher and higher jackpots every two, three months. Why? Because people are desperately grabbing for every last dollar they can get. And my recommendation is that you should have just picked up 10 Bitcoin 10 years ago. I mean, come on. I, my recommendation is to take a $10 bill, stand out in a windstorm, hold hold the $10 bill up in the air in your right hand, let it go, and then just reach up in the air and hold out your left hand, and it will come back as a $100 bill. The odds are as good, maybe better, of that happening than of you winning this $2 billion lottery. Well, it's a heart of the nation, uh, and, and it affects derivatives, it affects debt, it affects, it seems to me that we have reached the highest extreme for grabbing more money than we ever have. It's as if the music has played faster and faster and people are grabbing for more and more and more until the music stops in this game of musical chairs that, that that seems to be what is happening right now. We just covered this four months ago, $1.34 billion jackpot. And now it's up to $2 billion. Now, by the way, Powerball is run by governments, state governments. Does that make any sense? Maybe they, maybe they should run a few other operations. Maybe they should just start running. I don't know. Drugs. Maybe they should sell drugs. Maybe yeah. what, maybe what, they should rob banks. Right. Oh, they already do that. Um, maybe they should pay for abortions. <laughs> oh, they. Oh, wait, do they that. already do that. Yeah. Is there anything worse Ste that governments steal, could possibly steal candy do from children? Well, I guess they could do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh boy, Powerball run by forty six states. Of monies collected from the gamblers, ten percent goes to administrative costs. Fifty five percent goes to prizes. Five percent goes to retailers, the people who sell the the tickets and 30% end up in state coffers as a tax on the poor. And I say tax on the poor because again, I think there's no question in anybody's mind. That's the poor that go for this. Right now. There's always the one guy who gets $2 billion, but what about everybody else who gave up their 2 billion? Whatever. What about that? Does anybody think about that? What about, you know, there's probably close to 40, 50, 60 million people around America that gave up, you know, three, $400 a year trying to win the 2 billion. And then the two billion ends up in one guy's pocket, and he blows it within three months, and 
and it's all over. But that's that's what's happening, my friends. Bankrate.com found 28% of the lowest income households in America play lottery weekly. Only 19% of families with higher earnings than I think $78,000 per year. Financially strapped households spend an average of, get this, $412 on lottery tickets in a year. That's That's pretty substantial if you think about it. That's, you know, an extra $40 a month that could be spent on food. Sure. Vegetables. Do you, do you remember the, the old uh, Clint Eastwood movie series, Dirty Harry? Uh-huh. You remember the tagline? No. You know, do you feel lucky, punk? Oh, no, I don't remember that, but yeah. Okay. Do you feel lucky, punk? Mm-hmm. That's what the government is doing. They're, they're, they're really pointing a, a 357 Magnum at the lowest of uh, the poorest of, of our citizens and, and saying, come on, give me some money. Do you feel lucky, punk? You know, it's the idea that you get rich quick. You get rich because you're lucky, not because you work hard. Now, what's the purpose of government? To further good and punish evil. Now, is it a good thing? What if if the government's doing the evil? That's the problem. What happens then? Yeah, that's the problem because because government should encourage people. Is it a good thing to encourage people to save money or to waste money? Well, to encourage people to save money, to be good stewards. but by participating in the lottery, by sponsoring the lottery, they are actually encouraging citizens to be wasteful of hard-earned money. And that's where they are now participating in evil. They are furthering evil, and they're punishing good. Back in the 1970s, the U.S. economy was furthering away about a billion a year. By 2020, the U.S. economy was furthering away $120 billion a year on gambling losses. That tops both China and Japan's numbers put together. Okay, so the American economy is is blowing through $120 billion a year on gambling. That's up, again, from $1 or $2 billion per year in the 1970s, which means we are in the age of greed, the age of get-rich-quick. Right. Uh, and friends, uh, the global gambling industry has increased from $220 billion to $495 billion between 2002 and and 2019 and we're seeing that i think increase by orders of magnitude in just the last five to ten years and we're starting to see uh, people running out and grabbing as much and as fast as they can right now that's why the powerball jackpot just hit two billion be back with more in just a moment on the generations broadcast You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son, can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today.
And we're back on the Generations Project. $2 billion jackpot in the latest Powerball, supported by, what, 46 states and the winners. And we've gone over this before, uh, but, you know, I mean, there are so many examples of these folks that win this money. Andrew Jack Whitaker won the record $315 million Powerball jackpot in 2002. That's back when, you know, it was $315 million. Now it's $2 billion. Whitaker, his wife left him, several family members tragically died, was twice charged with driving under influence, uh, was robbed, I think, three times, five times. Uh, he eventually died broke. Okay. Uh, I wish I'd torn the ticket up, a sobbing Whitaker told reporters after the death of his daughter. David Lee Edwards, convicted felon from Kentucky, won $27 million. Uh, five years later, money was gone. Edwards was living with his wife in a storage unit contaminated with human feces. Michael Todd Hill, 52 years old, won $10 million, ultimate million scratch-off ticket in North Carolina. And he, he was indigent by the end of his life, unable to pay for a lawyer, evidently charged with murder, sentenced to life in prison. Uh, and it goes on and on. Florida man Abraham Shakespeare was illiterate, regularly unemployed when he won $17 million, squandered it all. Um, Mac Metcalf, his estranged wife, Virginia Marita, Shared $34 million jackpot, quickly got to work spending the fortune on drugs, a mansion, exotic pets. Three years later, the couple was dead after Metcalf died from complications of alcoholism. Uh, Jenny Lee, a South Korean immigrant uh, working in Illinois wig shop, won $18 million. She uh, ran dry on her bank account, and uh, that was the end of that. She filed bankruptcy, less than $700 in her bank account after eight years. Okay, so I could just go on and on and on and on. But just read the scriptures. The book of Proverbs has plenty on this issue. When it really comes down to it, my friends, it's the word of God that uh, equips us on things like this. And that's why I have a fair amount in my book on getting rich quick. Any kind of scheme, whether it be an investment scheme or gambling or going into debt for to to make an immediate, you know, double, triple your money on your down payment on your first house, whatever it is. The get-rich-quick schemes are not biblical, are not appropriate, are immoral, are wrong, wrong, wrong for the Christian. We are not to give way to the get-rich-quick schemes. So let me give you an example. Well, let's take bill. a break. You're buying we'll a house for $425,000 this year. That's the median house price in America. And you put you know, $20,000 down for a $425,000 house. And you say to yourself, and this thing is going to go up in price, and it's going to be worth $600,000 next year. So I'm going to sell it for $600,000 and walk away with a cool 180000 on my $10,000 investment. You know, that's the way people think. Right. They're thinking that way all the time. Sure. All except for the problem of deflation. The U.S. housing market has registered the lowest level of consumer confidence since the polls taken and the prices are coming down. The bubble has burst. The bubble in the housing market has officially burst. Apparently, the music has stopped in musical chairs, and there will be some who will not have a place to sit. So, we did some calculations. A recent Fannie Mae survey found that only 16% of consumers thought this was a good time to buy. That's the lowest ever. The average 30-year mortgage rate hit 7.25% on Monday. Now, that's going to discourage buyers. That's the whole point. So, the average 30-year mortgage rate's at 7.25. It was down around 2.5-ish. Right. Okay. Now, the average house payment for the average home buy has increased by 121% since January of 2020. 
from $1,434. So that's, what is that, two years ago? Okay, two years ago, you're the average home buyer. You're paying $1,434 for your average mortgage slash tax slash insurance payment. So you're going for $1,434 two years ago. That's today at $3,174. Whoa. That's got to hurt. Whoa. That's got to hurt. Realtor.com reports an increase of 77% on the average mortgage payment just since last year this time. That would put the average house payment in America. Okay, so so you're paying $3,174. The average house payment is going to be 49% of your median U.S. household income. That's not going to work. Everybody say that's not going to work. Yeah. That's not going to work. Uh, you're going to be eating a lot of cardboard. Uh, yeah, or drywall, as the case mm-hmm. may be. Well, friends, the point is what goes up comes down, and my encouragement is to buy a house free and clear. Now, get my book, How the World Runs and Your Part in It, to better understand how that works. But let me close with this article. From usawatchdog.com. And I just think it's interesting. Now, this this fella is Egon von Greertz, and he's a Swiss banker and an expert in risk. So he's a Swiss banker. He's got a private gold vault buried deep in the Swiss Alps. Apparently, he handles a lot of clients who want to invest in gold. Okay. So this guy, Von Gerritz, is a Swiss banker, and he has, he's been an expert in financial risk. That's, that's his expertise. And let me read this to you, because I think this is helpful to understand what it looks like when the music stops in the game of musical chairs, in the economic game of musical chairs. Okay, so. let, me, let me predict that it's going to end on a sour note. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just see how this ends. Okay. Okay. He says credit has increased dramatically through derivatives. All instruments being issued now by banks, pension funds, stock funds, it's all synthetic. There's no real underlying payments in anything almost. Therefore, my estimate for derivatives would be at least two quadrillion dollars. That's a lot. Now, that's a quadrillion. Maybe you should explain what a quadrillion is to the listening audience. That is a lot of money. Bill, I wanted you to. It's a thousand trillion. That's a, a thousand lot, trillion. That's a okay. lot of money. Let me explain what a thousand trillion is. That's a lot of money. Okay, thank you. Okay, so this guy says the estimate for derivatives worldwide would be at least two quadrillion dollars. I think that's probably conservative. Then he says we have debt on top of that, $300 trillion. We also have a couple of hundred trillion dollars of unfunded liabilities. That would be the Social Security stuff. So we're talking about two and a half quadrillion dollars, and that's with a global GDP of 80 trillion. Okay, let's see, I'm doing the math on that. Okay, that's an 80-fold difference. It's an 80-fold difference. Wow. So this is what this a Swiss banker says. There is a disaster waiting to happen, and especially because all this created money has created no value whatsoever. I always knew this would collapse, and it's taken longer than I expected, but I think we're at the end of a major era. These derivatives at some point in the coming few years will actually turn into debt. Central banks will have to cover all the outstanding liabilities of the commercial banks, as we're seeing now with Credit Suisse, Bank of England, and etc. This is going to happen across the board, whether it's called derivatives 
or call debt, as far as I'm concerned, it's the same thing. It will have the same effect on the world financial system, which will be disastrous, of course. He says uh, that derivative markets are a simple way for financial institutions to carry debt and not show it on their balance sheets. Nobody can repay the debt, and they can't even pay interest on the debt. So, therefore, when the debt implodes, so will the assets that were financed by the debt. So both sides of the balance sheet will have to come down. Whether it comes down by 50%, 75%, 90%, I don't know. All I think about is risk, and the financial system will not survive in its present form. Central banks only use one kind of medicine, and that is more printed money, quantitative easing. Now you are getting negative returns on printed money, so that's not going to save anything. Sadly, we are looking at a situation when the system will start to implode. The rich are still rich, but the poor, really poor. Overall, in the UK, Germany, and the most European nations, People don't have enough money to live. This is a human disaster already with food costs going up 25%, energy going up the same, and gasoline, interest rates and rents. People don't have enough money, and that is happening already. It's a human disaster of mega proportions. It's so sad, and governments will have no choice of doing anything about it. He says that's why it's getting closer to implosion because the whole system just can't take it anymore. The risk is increasing exponentially, so I think... People should be prepared. Most asset markets have lost money. It's just going to get worse. Now, not everybody knows what uh, derivatives are, so let me just draw from an article written in 2005. Derivatives are financial instruments whose promised payoffs are not the result of ownership of the cash flows or a particular company, but rather are derived from the value of some financial asset or something else altogether. For instance, derivatives exist with payments based on the level of the S&P 500, the temperature at the Kennedy Airport, or the number of bankruptcies among a group of selected companies. Derivatives have been traded for centuries with early examples, including tulip bulb options in Holland and rice futures in Japan. But futures markets were relatively small until the 1970s when developments in pricing methodology spurred spectacular growth. The derivatives market has grown a hundredfold over the past 30 years with estimates of the current size of the market at more than $200 trillion. And I would say now it's closer to what? two quadrillion dollars so that's a tenfold increase since this article was written or a thousandfold increase in the last 45 years since 1970 okay so now you may not understand what derivatives are but you understand what it is for people to want to get rich quick you understand what it is to get into a lot of debt you understand what it is to invest in thin air expecting the next buyer to buy more of it <laughs> you, you get it bill yeah you invest in thin air and now you're expecting the next buyer to buy more of it and to spend more for it. And the oxygen and then, gets rather rare. And that's that just yeah. bad. That's just bad. The biblical solution is to repent. To repent of the greed. Repent of the impulse to get rich quick. To, to, to get out of debt. And that's, that's the biblical solution, my friends. Now, this I take from my book, How the World Runs, and your part in it, for 14-year-olds. And I think 14-year-olds can understand this stuff. I, I do. While all investment involves some risk, there is a point at which the investor gives way to the sinful habit of greed, gambling, or get-rich-quick schemes. That's exactly what I've been talking about. No longer is the investor's focus on the wise and faithful use of God-given resources and talents. Now the chief desire is to get rich and to get rich quickly. Gambling makes money on other people's losses, whereas investing makes money by a company's gainful work and success. In an investment, everyone must win if you're going to make a gain. 
when you purchase something, you usually have a pretty good idea of what you're getting into. For example, I think a 14-year-old can understand this. Let's say that you and three friends decide to invest in a bulldozer. Surely all four of you would want to know that the bulldozer works and that it isn't overpriced compared to other bulldozers on the market. The same should apply to investing in the stock market. If you're going to own a part of the company, you want to be sure that it's a good company and that it isn't overvalued compared to other companies like it. You would want to know how much profit the company made over the last five years before you invested in it. Gamblers are not investors. Let me say that one more time. Gamblers are not investors. Day traders don't care about the company they're investing in. They want a quick profit. Suppose when you and your friends purchased the bulldozer, you didn't care whether the bulldozer worked. All you cared about was whether you could sell it for a little more than you bought it for. You're hoping that another group of fools would buy, pay a little more for it without even looking into the quality of the machine. That bulldozer might trade hands 20 times before anybody tested it and learned that it was just a piece of junk. That's, I think, the best way to describe the derivatives market. That's the best way to describe day trading. That's the best way to describe the, the amount of debt people are getting into and that governments or corporations are getting into debt to pay their dividends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all of the craziness, the sheer insanity that's running our governments and our entire economy today. That also explains why Tesla stock goes from the value of $300 billion to $1 trillion and then back down to $200 billion inside of like nine months. All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. Foolery is everywhere when it comes to the economy today, and it's time, it's time now to root and ground your children, the next generation, in good sense, biblical sense. And that's why I wrote a book that applies biblical principles to economics, and it's called How the World Runs, and your part in it, available at generations.org. There's a workbook that goes with it, too. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.